The reading is taken from John chapter 4, verses 19 to 26. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet the time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Good afternoon. It's lovely to join you uh, again. And we're going to pick up this story uh, from John chapter 4. And just to fill you in, if you weren't here last week, we are at a well, sitting on a hot uh, noontime moment and a woman has come to the well and has met Jesus and they've had a conversation about her being thirsty and Jesus has made the extraordinary claim that he is the one who can satisfy her thirst and then he says something quite alarming uh, to this woman he doesn't know her and yet he says to her go and call your husband and come back and she says I have no husband But Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. That must have been quite unnerving, don't you think? To suddenly meet a man who you thought didn't know you and yet he seems to know about your life. He seems to know about the pain and the suffering that she's experienced at the hands of all sorts of men who have mistreated her. He knows her. And that's why she starts by saying in our reading today, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. There's something about you, Jesus, that's different. And then she starts to ask about worship. At first sight, you might think she's trying to change the subject. I mean, that would make sense, right? This is a a fairly uncomfortable place to be talking about her husband. Let's try and divert the subject to something else. But I wonder if there's something more going on here. I wonder if this woman's thirst that we thought about last week actually comes from a heart that doesn't know how to worship. And the first big thing we're going to see together... Um, this afternoon is that there is a worship confusion in the heart of this lady. You see, that's what she's saying. I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. You Jews claim the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. And you can sense, can't you, that frustration, that, well, how do I know where I'm supposed to worship? And I wonder if what that woman is experiencing is actually a fairly common experience, even today, in people's hearts. How do I know? How do I know what's right? How do I know what's true about God? 
There's so many different religions on offer, so many different thoughts, so many different philosophies and ideas. I don't know. How am I supposed to know? There's a confusion. And there is something in the human heart that longs to worship. But often we don't know how. And we don't know who and we don't know where. A little bit like my experience of going to B&Q. I occasionally go to B&Q when I'm having a moment of madness and think I can do some DIY in my home and I go to the I just need some screws to put up a shelf. It's not difficult. But I go to the screw aisle of B&Q and there's just hundreds of screws. And I I feel that overwhelming sense of panic. I I don't know. I don't know which is the right type of screw for the job that I want to do. I find the array of screws bewildering to me and it unsettles me and it causes me distress. Now that's trivial. But I think many people experience that when they come to think about worship. I, I don't know. I'd love to know who to worship. I'd love to know how to worship. I'd love to know if there is a God or there isn't. I don't know. It can be very unnerving. And yet the strange thing in our culture is that it's also not a culture that likes it when people say they do know. So we have this experience of confusion around this area of worship. And yet we also are very suspicious of anyone who says that they do know about worship. And so we're lost in this trap of confusion. And how are we going to find our way out? How are we going to ever know what our worshipping hearts are longing for. So here's this woman. She's sitting by a well. All she did was come to get water. And now she's having this encounter with Jesus and she finds herself talking about worship with this man she's never met before. And I'm not sure she's particularly asking him a question. I think she's just expressing her frustration. Well, we claim this, you claim this. Who knows? That's the first thing I want us to see, a worship confusion. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. But then I want to see that what happens next in the story is a worship clarity. Look what Jesus says. It is extraordinary. Woman, verse 21. I I don't think that's as rude as it sounds in our culture. (laughs) I think if you went up to someone and said, woman... That's that's not the way to... It's not rude in this culture. Woman, Jesus replied. Look at his next two words. Believe me. Isn't that interesting? Here's a woman who says, I don't know, I don't know. And he says, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus suddenly starts to speak in very confident and clear terms about worship. And what we're going to see is the clarity that Jesus brings around worship is that she's asking the wrong question. She's asking, where are we supposed to worship? 
She has a physical, external view of what worship is. Jesus is going to show her it's not where you worship, it's who you worship that you need to be clear on. Not the outside, external, do we go to this building or this mountain or do we do this ritual or this ritual? Jesus says, no, it's about who. And Jesus talks about worshipping the Father. Jesus is going to explain to this woman that true worship is about knowing the Father. Knowing the God who made you, the God who created all things, the God who in the very beginning said, let there be light. Knowing the God who is Father, the God who has shown himself, spoken, revealed himself. Worship is about knowing God as Father. And he says to them, you Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. He's not bragging there, he's simply saying, Samaritans, your instinct to worship is good, but you, you don't know. You don't know this God. From the Jewish nation, here is the, through this nation, God has made himself known. But this is not a restrictive thing just for the Jews. Because a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus starts to talk about what it means to be a true worshipper. The woman is confused. Jesus says, let me clear that up for you. To be a true worshipper means you are clear on who you worship. And you worship not in outward physical forms, but in spirit and in truth. We may say, well, what, what, does that, what does that mean? Well, Jesus explains it more in verse 24. He says, God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. In other words, what you think about who God is will impact the way that you worship. If God is spirit, then you will worship him in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, he's contrasting it to God being some physical entity that you can make a statue of. I think Jesus has in mind the second commandment. So God gave ten commandments. The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. The second one is, you shall not make an image of God. You mustn't make something physical to represent God because God is spirit. He's invisible. You can't pin him down. You can't put him in a box. You can't put him in a building and say, you must go here. No, God is spirit. He's big and he fills the universe in every single way. And therefore, true worship is not to be found in external ritual, but to be found in a spiritual encounter as God, by his Holy Spirit, changes our hearts to know him and call him Father. And as God reveals himself in truth. Jesus is helping this woman to see you don't need to go to that mountain or that mountain. God now can be known as Father. Can you see that that's good news? If what Jesus is saying here is true, it is extraordinary news 
that anyone, whoever it is, can worship God and know him as Father. Because you don't have to go to a special place and you don't have to do special things. Instead, you approach him by his spirit. You know him. But still, we'd say, but ah, it still feels abstract. What does that mean? Well, later on in John's Gospel, Jesus will say, I am the truth. Jesus is the one who has come from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the one who makes God known. Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. How can we know how to worship? Well, if God comes in person, then you can know. This is why central to the claim of Christianity and central to the claim of John's Gospel is that God became a man so that we could worship and know him. Central to the claim of John's gospel is that God took on flesh. This is what what we talk about, the incarnation, right? In the word incarnation, carne refers to, you know, chili con carne, right? Chili con carne is chili with meat. Carne means meat. And so, excuse my irreverence for a second, but the incarnation means God with meat, with flesh. The incarnation. God became a man. I once went to a restaurant that was serving vegetarian chili con carne. I, I, I was going to point out the error, but thought better of it. But you see, here is, here is why Jesus is able to say to us, I can tell you about worship. If God had not made himself known, if God had not shown us this, then we would not know how to worship him. And we would remain confused. But if God became a man so that we might know him in truth, we don't have to be confused anymore. So to be a true worshipper of God means to have a heart changed by God's Spirit as we look at Jesus, the truth, and understand who God truly is. You know, uh, in being cute, in my um, confusion in the cue aisle, what I'm really looking for is someone with an orange apron. That's what I want. I just want someone with an orange apron to walk down the aisle and a little name tag that says Betty or something. And I said, Betty... Betty, come here. Tell me. Tell me which one's right. Well, the woman says, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. She says, I'm going to wait for the one who's coming who can explain everything. And then Jesus makes this claim. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I'm the one who can clear up the confusion around worship. And the extraordinary thing about Jesus is that as we watch him through the pages of the Bible, we discover the way that he reveals God in that he loves people 
as he heals people and shows God's power, as he speaks God's extraordinary words, and then as he goes through a cross to die to show the amazing love of God. It's an extraordinary thing that we can worship God. It's an extraordinary thing that we can know God as Father. That's why Jesus came. And so this lunchtime, as we sit here in the middle of London, we don't need to be confused about worship anymore. If Jesus is who he said he is, then he tells us how we worship God. And let's be careful not to reduce worship to external things where we simply think it's about going to a place and doing some rituals and going through a performance. No, worship is about heart. A heart that's changed by God's spirit as we look to the truth, Jesus. And we know God as Father. And perhaps some of us, we come this lunchtime and we feel confused. We feel that same confusion the woman had. We feel frustrated. We don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Well, I wonder this lunchtime, if you'll come to Jesus and say, will you show me? Will you show me the Father? Will you show me who God is? Why don't we bow our heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you Father, that we can worship you, that we can worship you with hearts that are transformed, that we can worship you as we know the truth that we find in Jesus. Father, please forgive us for all the times when our worship becomes external, when our worship becomes formulaic and ritualistic. Father, please would we be true worshippers. Please would we listen to Jesus and would he change our hearts. And we ask it in his name. Amen.